0: Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. well hey it's a great day to be in church and it's great to be with you all and let me just say this if you're here as maybe a friend or a family member of one of those incredible babies who we've just dedicated we want you to know we're so glad that you're here we're so happy that you've come you're so welcome in this place and I love the opportunity that we get to dedicate babies in church I think that's fantastic you know Starting this week, we're in a new series called Summer Cocktails and starting next week, after all of our services, we're going to be handing out mocktails in the courtyard. So you really don't want to be missing that. That, that, that action is a piece of something that you're going to want to get in on. You know, um, the thing that I want to talk to us about today is something that we are all a part of, whether we like it or not. It's something that affects every single one of us. We're all involved in one, whether we like it or whether we don't. Maybe you didn't choose it, but the choice is not yours. And you know, some of us like ours and some of us don't. And some of us stay and some of us go. And some of them are good and some of them are bad. And I know what you're thinking. He should be a rapper. Well, I'm very seriously considering it. And um, there's no avoiding it and there's no choosing it. And of course, I'm talking about our families. Because today we've just dedicated children, little babies who are at the very, very beginning of their lives. And I can't think of a better Sunday to talk about our family lives and what God has to say about them. I'm going to get into that in just a minute, but I don't know if you're anything like Vicky and I, but when we're on holiday, one of the things we like to do to amuse ourselves and to maybe pass some of the time is to give people who are staying in the same hotel as us or who are around the pool at the same time as us or we see them regularly on our holiday... We like to give them names that we use to refer to them by who they remind us of. Now, I don't know if you do this too, but it's just one of the the ways that we seem to pass our time on our holidays. And just to give you a bit of an example, on one of our last holidays, we had a Joey Essex, we had an Abraham Lincoln, and we also actually had a Captain America. Now, it wasn't so much anything to do with the fact he looked anything like Captain America. It was because he was one of those, you know, those people who like, involves himself in everybody else's business. He's like, he's like the all-American hero. He's given his unsolicited life advice and help to anyone who stood still for too long. But like, if I'm really, really honest, because we are in church, it's not just on holiday either. Like, there's a guy who lives very, very close to where we live. He, he's really, really close to us. And we call him One Pants. Now, the reason why we call him... Actually, I have to say, that was Vicky's name for him. I was nothing to do with this name. But the reason why we call him One Pants is because every time he walks his dog, he only ever wears one pair of pants. He only has this one pair of trousers. It's like every time the guy leaves the house with his dog, it's like he only owns one pair of cats. So we call him One Pants. And so anyway, one of our holidays a while ago, we're on our honeymoon... And we become aware that in the same hotel as us and staying in the same vicinity as us, there's this really, really nice family. And there's a mum, a dad, and three kids. And they're just the nicest people ever. Like they seem to get on and the kids seem to get on and the kids seem to share all their toys. And we're looking at these people and we're like talking about them going, they're just really nice with each other. Like they really get on. Like they're just all friends and they're just so happy. And we became, they became known to us as the perfect family. That was how we referred to them. Now, they were just so happy. And one of the evenings through the holiday, I ended up in the restaurant or the the bar area in the evening around the same time as them. And I'd gone to the bar to go and get some drinks for us. And I ended up stood at the bar next to the dad. Now, I have to say, I don't know what possessed me to do this. And it's never really happened before. And honestly, it's never happened since. But I decided in my infinite wisdom that I would tell the dad what we thought of his family. I decided I was just gonna build a little bridge and just make some friends because I thought in my head, what a nice thing to have said to you if you're someone's dad that, you know, we think that your children are a credit to you. We love the way they share. We love the way they're friends. We love the way that they just get on. And I thought in my head, that's a dead nice thing to hear. So I decided that I was going to tell him what we thought. But halfway through my sentence, I can honestly say I have never, ever in my life wanted the ground to open up and swallow me up as much as I did when I was talking to that guy. It was almost as if, like, when I started to speak, I heard what I was saying through his ears, like, we've been watching you, like, like we have conversations about you. <laughs> we like your children. <laughs> I mean, what? Okay, hello. We're like, we're, I think they might have had a couple of conversations and a couple of nicknames for Vicky and I after that occasion. But you know, one of the funniest things was um, it, it genuinely made an impression on us how nice they were. And prior to them avoiding us and virtually putting a, an unwritten restraining order on us for the rest of the holiday... They were actually just, they seemed to have fun together. They just seemed to enjoy each other's company. They just seemed to be a happy family. They just seemed to enjoy each other's company. And there's no doubt, there's no doubt at all that family life can be loads of fun. It can be really happy. It can be great. On days like today, family life is fantastic. But sometimes it can be somewhat uninspiring. Like for all of those of you who are parents, um, you just have extra responsibilities. You just have things that you've got to do. And sometimes the humdrum of life can just get involved and maybe some of the happiness can feel like you're almost a bit on autopilot and the happiness can take a backseat because you're just on autopilot doing life. It's something that honestly really surprised me when we had our little girl just under two years ago, how all of a sudden, overnight... I had zero free time, like, none at all. In fact, to the point where I wondered what on earth I used to do with all of the time that I had before she arrived. But if you've got children, you'll understand that, you know, you've got to get the kids ready and you've got to get ready yourself and then you've got to go to work and then you've got to look after the house and you've got to do the finances and make sure everyone's fed and you've got to do the thing. You're just so busy. And the thing is, if we're not careful and we don't pay attention to our family lives and we don't pay attention to our families and our happiness, it won't pay attention to itself. It just seems to disappear if we don't pay attention to it and if we're not intentional about it. Because if we aren't intentional about making sure that our home lives are happy and our home lives are fun and our home lives are good and healthy, they can end up being an atmosphere, they can end up being tensions, they can end up being crosswords. And if there's children there, they're going to just pick up on this whole atmosphere that goes on in the place. And if I'm really honest and we're really honest, I I don't feel like that's a great environment to be raising children in because they're just going to be picking up on some negative stuff. I mean, maybe right now today, you're not in a relationship and you're like, well, yeah, well, this is cool, but this this is way off for me. Well, It's not just about marriages and families. If this is all of our relationships, maybe you don't get on with your own family and maybe the the whole idea of spending time with family for you is just not a good thing because the way they talk to you makes you feel bad or the way they are with you makes you feel bad or every time you're with them, it's just so awkward and then every now and again, there's a family wedding and everyone puts on their finest and they all go out and everyone's being civil with each other as long as they're on separate tables. But then the evening do comes and there's literally murder on the dance floor and that's no fun at all. Or maybe today you're dating or you're engaged and um, like, it's great for you right now. Like, it is brilliant. You've got all those new relationship feels going on and it's all exciting and it's all cool. Cool. But you won't be dating or engaged forever. You're hoping to be married and maybe one day you will be married, but then life happens and stuff happens and things happen and we just go through some stuff and stuff changes us and it stretches us and it pulls us and maybe some of the happiness that you once felt right now starts to take a back seat and you might want to know how to keep hold of it. Or what if today you're married? and you remember those early days. You remember the days like pre-children where you used to go out and do date nights and have all the amazing holidays and you were answerable to no one and responsible for no one and it was exciting and it was fun and it was happy and you, you were just so in love with each other. And maybe just through the course of life, like nothing terrible's happened, nothing bad's gone on, but you just don't feel as happy as maybe you once did. Because you've just settled into life. So, today, in the very short time that we've got together, I just wanted to take a couple of minutes and look at the answer to this question How do we grow happy families? Like, what does the Bible have to say about how we grow happy families? because no one wants to be a part of anything that's not fun do they when a thing stops being pleasurable and a thing stops being fun it's almost a bit like well what's the point it's like there's there's no enjoyment to be had if it isn't fun and after all the bible tells us when jesus came he came to give us a life that we would love and a life that we would enjoy and we would have it abundantly so I don't know what your experience of family life is. Maybe yours is great and you love spending time with your family, which is awesome. So let's keep hold of it. But maybe today, maybe you don't have a great time with your family. Maybe your relationships just aren't what you wanted. So I would say this is for every single one of us today. And when Emma spoke to us last week, one of the things I loved about what she said was how when a builder, a construction company, is forming and making the foundations for a building and they're putting that thing up, there's a tailored mix of concrete that goes underneath every different type of structure and depending on what you're going to build on top, that determines the tailored mix of concrete that goes into the foundations and and, and she likened it to the Bible and she said how that every age and stage of life you're in, there's tailored advice in the Bible for every single age and stage of life that you're in. So today, I've got four tailored points. And if we can remember these four things, just four of them, then our relationships will improve. Not just our families, but our relationships as a whole. A guarantee. There's, there's, not four, there's not four and only four. There are more than these, but these will be a great start. And the first thing is simply this. A healthy heart equals a happy family. A healthy heart equals a happy family. In other words, if individually the people involved in the relationship are happy inside, if individually we're healthy in our hearts, then the chances are the relationship will be a happy one. If life is good, things go well. Our days fly by, stuff isn't a problem for us, our our mood is up, the problems seem small, things seem easier. It's just life is better when we're happy. Think about it, when you're around someone who you love or someone who you're happy around or someone who's laughing, it's often contagious. If someone else is laughing, generally speaking, like I'm one of those people, I kind of get their laugh, I catch their laugh, unless they're laughing at you, at which point it's not quite so funny. But in the same way, if people that we're around are like happy and uppy and and positive, then that's a good thing. But in 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 exactly the same sentence, if they're sad and they're down, and they're negative, then they're going to drag the atmosphere down for everybody else who's around them because that's what happens. It spills out and it's contagious. Proverbs 3 speaks directly into this. Proverbs Proverbs 15, I beg your pardon, verse 13, not Proverbs 3. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. In other words, if you're happy on the inside you're not going to be able to hide it. Like your face is going to tell a tale on you. Your face is just going to show it. If you're happy in your heart, your face is going to tell the story. You're going to be bright. Quoting Proverbs, you'll have a cheerful face. It's going to have an effect on you. But in the second half of the same verse, it tells us what happens if we're not. Heartache crushes the spirit. What's going on inside tells a tale on the outside and actually has a physical effect on you. So how do we keep a happy heart? Like, how, how do we actually do that? How do, how do we stay happy? Well, there's so many practical things that we can actually do, just day-to-day practical things. We could take some exercise. We could join a gym. We could go for three walks a week. We can, there's all these practical things you can do. You can get the blood pumping and have a release of dopamine through your system when you get in the gym and you exercise. And it's going to have a positive effect on your overall mood, your general level of happiness, Will come up. We can also do random acts of kindness. We could not just get our coffee, but just on the slide, get the guy's coffee behind us as well. Not because of any other reason than it's good to do, or in the tunnel booth, pay for you and pay for the guy behind you as well. Just go, just get his as well and let him through. Because when you're generous, it feels good. When you're generous, it makes you happy. That's one of the outworkings of generosity. Complete unplug nights are. I know I'm going to make a ton of enemies in here, all of you are addicted to social media, but like complete unplugged nights are really, really good. Time away from your phone or your tablet or your laptop or your TV, basically anything that you plug in, unplugged nights are really, really good. They're healthy for us. It's good to just enjoy some food around a table and have a good old-fashioned conversation. There's so many practical things that we can do to increase our level of happiness. But in my life... In my experience, because I can only talk from my experience, I've only ever found one thing that's given me true happiness and true joy inside, and it's Jesus. I've only ever found one thing. Nothing else has ever given me something that lasted. Nothing else has ever satisfied anything in me that's lasted. The only thing I've ever found is Jesus. And when I'm going through some hard times and I lift him up and I pray to him and I worship him, I know that's where my strength and that's where my happiness comes from. And if we're going to have happy relationships and happy families, it starts with us having happy hearts. The next thing we have to do is we have to pick our battles. That's the next thing we have to do. We have to choose our battles. If we want happiness and a family life which happiness can develop in, then we're going to have to learn the art of just letting some stuff go and learning what to fight and what not to fight in the name of peace. We're just gonna have to learn the art of picking our battles. Romans 12 talks to us about this one. It says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you. If it's possible, you know what that means? It means unless it's impossible. How often is it impossible, physically impossible, to live at peace with someone? How often is it impossible to do that? Not very often. If possible, live at peace with who? With your friends, with your work colleagues, with people in the church, with the volunteers, even the ones you maybe don't like. If it's possible, live at peace with everyone and with our families as well if it's possible as far as it depends on you but notice what the text doesn't say it doesn't say and you've got to be bezies it doesn't say you've failed if they're not your friend it doesn't say you have to be tighter than tight going for drinks and going for meals it doesn't say that it just says if it's possible as far as it depends on you so you're only responsible for you. You can only be responsible for yourself in this. You, you've got no control over what they feel or what they choose to do. You're only responsible for yourself. God said this, blessed are the peacemakers. And who doesn't want God's blessing? Who, who, who doesn't, who, which of us here would stick our hand up and go, no, don't want God's blessing, not interested in any of that. I think we would all say we want God's blessing and blessed are the peacemakers. It might mean thinking before we go into certain conversations. It might mean having a thought process that goes something along the lines of, is this helpful? Like, is what I'm about to go and lock horns with and fight about, is this helpful? Is this going to build anything? Is this going to benefit anyone? Is having this conversation, even if I win it, is this going to be a good thing? Like, is anything good going to come out of this conversation other than conflict? Because here's the deal. We're the temperature setters. We're the ones who set the temperature in our households. And if we don't choose positivity and if we don't choose to pick our battles, if we just willy-nilly go into conflict, it's not going to end well. I mean, I'm not trying to say over like day-to-day disagreements, like day-to-day things that you're going to just disagree about. They're going to happen whatever the circumstances. But what I'm talking about is conflict for no real reason. Conflict just because you want to be right. Conflict... Just because you want to have the last word. You know, just recently, uh, myself and the team, we were just working in the office block just next door. We were preparing stuff. We were just getting ready for the weekend, which was coming. And there was some stuff that I wanted to speak to Luke about, which, if I'm honest with you, was my job to sort out. It was, it was all on me, and I had some stuff I wanted to do, but I wanted to take it to him anyway because that was what I wanted to do. And I should also say that that weekend, he was actually preaching, he was speaking on a Sunday and he was in his room preparing for what he was going to say to the church so I went in and I had this conversation and we talked and I left and the conversation on my part didn't go well it wasn't good and I left with a a heavy mood over what I'd taken him not only because I'd torpedoed his preparation time but I'd also taken him stuff that he never should have had to deal with he never should have been involved with it was all on me and I felt really really bad about it I just I, I felt unrest in my spirit and I had to bring it up later on later I had to have another conversation later on and I had to apologize because I had to make sure that things between us were right which of course they were because he's like one of the very best guys I know but like I had to make sure that as far as I was able as it says as far as it depended on me that there was peace between us I had to go and make that peace And of course, everything was absolutely fine, but I had to go Romans 12 on it. I had to just get myself straight. And you know, life, if you surround yourself in life, With the right people if you surround yourself in life with good solid wholesome people this is going to be easier for you because there's so many occasions in my life where just through conversation with whoever because i've surrounded myself with some really high quality amazing people who love me and who've got the best in mind for me that a lot of this stuff actually gets ironed out in conversations with them rather than the person who i was actually going to go and take issue with because they're looking at my issue through a lens of what's best for me. And they're not emotionally involved in the, in the situation. They're kind of outside of it. So they get to speak into me. And if you surround your life, yourself in life with some really great people, then this is gonna work out so much easier because so much stuff is sortable just through conversations and they'll help you figure out what you actually do need to fight and what you don't. A great way to do that is to join a life group. If if this is your church, join a life group. They're just a ton of groups that meet all over the city. They're amazing. We love our life groups and they just meet and they have some amazing conversation and that's somewhere where you can really choose to surround yourself with people who are good for you. You could also join our team and serve at any one of our services on a Sunday. We would love to have you stood alongside us because part of that is gonna be that you're gonna rub shoulders with some amazing people. We've got some awesome people on our team. So get yourself around some really, really great people and choose to put your life in the company of others who are really, really good for you. You know, the bottom line is, we've just got to pick our battles. If we want to see happiness survive in our life, we've just got to pick our battles. We just really have. Don't fill the air with conflict. The third thing is this. We've got to be quick to forgive. We've got to be really quick to forgive. Colossians 3, 13 tells us, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, it says it again, forgive as the Lord forgave you. If what we want is to have a healthy, happy heart and a healthy bunch of relationships, it's not gonna happen if we're at odds with people all of the time. It's not gonna happen when we're at odds with other people. Being off with people and being at odds with people, that's the stuff that's gonna make it difficult for us to maintain any level of happiness. And I feel like, if I'm honest, we get tripped up by this So often, like we get tripped up by this one more often than we should. It's so often, and you'll you'll probably see eye to eye, but so often we choose justice over forgiveness. It's so often that we go after stuff when maybe we shouldn't. It's so often we require that the other person pay for the things they've done wrong rather than just choose to forgive and move on. It's so often that we do that. Seriously, it's not a good way to live because it's going to drive happiness away. It's going to drive peace away. You know, when I was studying for this and I was reading about the topic of forgiveness, I always find it really, really hard to get away from the story of where Jesus was just sitting, talking to some people and he was teaching a crowd and the religious leaders and the Pharisees of the day The church leaders, they dragged in front of him this woman and she'd been caught in the very act of adultery. They just drag her into the middle. If you notice what happens, none of these guys asks him for a quiet word. None of these guys asks him, hey, can I talk to you over here? Can I just just have a word? No, no, no. They act the way we often act. They dragged it out front and centre. They went... There, there's the issue. Boom, mic drop. They were like, right, you see this? You see, and this is so often what we do. We require that someone pay publicly for something that's happened privately. We're so lacking in forgiveness that sometimes we act like these people and they drag this woman in and they go, teacher, there she is. She was caught in adultery in the very act. They said, the law of Moses says that we should stone her. What do you say? There she is. What do you say we ought to do? Now, the way that my mind works when I read these things, I always kind of think in pictures and I'm thinking like there's a crowd and there's Jesus and I always pay attention to like the body language. It says Jesus is sitting, speaking to the crowd. So he's over here and he's like sat down and he's talking and they come in and they drop the woman on the floor and they go, What do you say? And you know what Jesus does? He ignores them. He just draws on the floor. He just draws in the mud and he ignores them. And they carry on. They go, what are you going to say, Jesus? What are you going to do about this? This sin that we've found. You know what Jesus does? Says he stands up. (laughs) I don't know about you but I never want to be on the other side of a conversation where I'm badgering Jesus and he feels the need to stand up to talk to me. And Jesus looks at them and he goes, all right, but the one of you who's never sinned, you throw the first stone. And then he goes back and he sits down and he draws on the floor again. And I see these guys in my head, I see them and they're just like, starting with the oldest to the youngest they just, they just leave, they all just go, they, they just leave the place so Jesus stands again and he speaks directly to the woman and he says where are your accusers now? and she says, oh he says, didn't even one of them condemn you? not one? and she goes, no Lord, not one and he says to her neither do I go and sin no more He just lets her go. Talk about a lawbreaker, talk about forgiveness. She was caught in the very act and Jesus goes, it's okay, because I've covered it, you can go. I don't consider it any, any problem. And I read that and I think there's a lesson in here for every single one of us today, that no one's perfect and people are gonna wrong us and people are gonna let us down and people are gonna speak badly to us and treat us badly and no one's perfect. None of us, we're all the same. We're all the same as this one. We've all done stuff wrong. We're all the same as those guys who brought her in. We're the same as both sides of that. No No one's perfect and we're all the same. But here's the deal. We've got to bear with each other. We've got to forgive each other because none of us has got the right to judge anybody else. That's not why we're here. We've all done stuff wrong. We're all the same. But even on our worst day, even in our worst sin, even in our worst mess, when we couldn't make anything else go wrong, God died for us. He loves us and He forgave us. He forgave us all on our worst day. And I don't know how you deal with times in your life when people have offended you and treated you badly. I don't know how you deal with that. But for me, there's been stuff that's happened and I find it really hard to forgive some people sometimes. What I always find is easy to do this. I just go to God and go, all right, God, you know you know what they did. You saw it. You saw the way they spoke to me. You saw the way they treated me. You've seen it all. And I can't forgive them. Like, I, I haven't got it in me to forgive them. But I know that your strength is made perfect in my weakness. And in this, I'm weak. So I'm asking you, Jesus, will you help me to forgive them and move on? Because It's tearing me up inside, that's all I can think about. It's always on my mind, it's always on my heart and I want to get over it. I'm asking you to help me. Then get up off your prayer and go and buy him a brew. Go make him a coffee, go and get him something, go and get him a book you're reading at the moment, just go and do something nice for them not because you wanna be bezies and go out for drinks and go out for meals, not for any other reason than it's the right thing to do. And here's the key, because when you pray and you ask God to do what you can't and then you do what you can, that's magnetic to him. And what will happen is he'll attach himself to your action and you will find that things improve. You'll find that you're able to move on and you're able to forgive that person in the right way because it's something that's so much of a bigger deal in our heads sometimes than it is in reality to actually just forgive someone and move on. Just ask God to help you do what you can't naturally do. And he will, he will do it. Lastly today, this is maybe the key to all of these things. Happy heart, happy family. We've got to pick our battles. We've got to forgive people. But we've got to love harder than anything else. We've got to love harder than any other thing. Colossians 3.14. And over all these virtues, all of them, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. If we're serious about growing a happy, healthy home, then it's going to start with growing in a loving environment. It's going to start with love. No one enjoys a bad atmosphere. No one enjoys anger in the air it's it's love, that's where it starts. And if we're gonna learn to love hard, I don't think we can ever look any further than Jesus. He teaches us how to love hard because time after time after time in the Bible, you read stuff about when he spoke to people and he was close up with people and he had interactions with people who he had reason not to love them. And all he did, all he did time after time repeatedly was he chose to give love. That's what he chose. He chose but maybe none more than Judas, maybe none more than him. Judas failed Jesus in perhaps the biggest way it's possible to fail anyone. Judas sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver to the Roman soldiers on the night that Jesus was arrested and thrown in jail before he was crucified. In fact, Judas went to the Roman soldiers, hey, the one I kiss, that's the one you're looking for. He gets his 30 pieces of silver and he walks towards Jesus. Now get this, Jesus sees him coming and you know what Jesus says to him? Knowing because he's the son of God, knowing what the guy's going to do, he says to him, friend, do what you came to do. Isn't that a crazy idea that like he knows that he's going to betray him. He knows he's sold him out. He knows what he's done. But the last words that Judas ever heard Jesus say to him was he called him a friend. The last words Judas heard Jesus say was friend, do what you came to do. And if that's not a love that changes the game for us all, like he loved him, even though he knew he was about to betray him, even though he knew he'd sold him out, If that's not a love that just lets us know that on our worst day, when we're in our biggest mess and we can't find any way out and we've done all this stuff wrong and it's mounting on top of us and all the things that people that we've upset, if that's not a love that says, even then, Jesus still sent his son to die for us, even then he allowed himself to be crucified on a cross, then I don't know a better way to show it. And I think maybe, I've learned just a little tiny bit about that love when I had my little girl. And two years ago she came along, and I always knew I was gonna, I always knew I was gonna love my kids. I never thought I was gonna be like at odds with them and not like them very much. But like I never had any idea, like what I feel for her is deep. It's deep. It goes really deep. And it's like if you've got kids, then you'll know. But I'm just saying, like, she could wrong me and she could like want nothing more to do with me and she could break stuff and she could burn the house down but I would still love that little girl with everything and Jesus loves us with a love that's so much bigger than that like he loves us with a love that we can't fathom that's how much he loves us because we're his children and even on our worst day even in our worst mess he sent his son, his child to be beaten and killed for every one of us even on our worst day and that to me is unbelievable. It's a sacrificial love that never ends. So I want you to know that today, you're loved. You're loved beyond measure. And if we're gonna have happy families, we've just gotta love people to that point. It looks like believing the best of people around us. It it looks like giving them what they love. It looks like speaking well of them, even when they're not there speaking kindly about them behind their back it looks like being vulnerable to the point of being hurt it looks like protecting them and covering them and covering their mistakes not exposing them you know the only place we're ever going to find true authentic happiness in our families is Jesus and a real authentic relationship with him because Today, it's really about what you want. Do you want a happy family? Do you you want happiness in your home? Because if you do, the answer's not a course. The answer's not on social media. The answer's a person and his name is Jesus. It's Jesus who gives us a happy heart. It's Jesus who makes it possible for us to live at peace with others. It's Jesus who helps us to forgive. And it's Jesus who helps us to love just a little bit like he loves. And you can have it all today. You can have it today, you've just got to ask. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.